0: Good morning, everybody, and welcome back to the Called for Freedom podcast on this Friday morning. I do have a little breaking news before we get into this podcast. Um, If you haven't seen already, um, and if you don't study end time prophecy, uh, the other day Israel for a long time has been trying to find red heifers. Um to bring into Israel, and the other day, I think it was about four or five red heifers arrived in Israel. Um, There's a video of that on YouTube, and um, they believe it's going to change the world, and if you don't know the significance of the red heifer, uh, basically in, um, I forget what chapter, but in Numbers, it talks about... The red heifers and the sacrificing of the red heifers in the third year, um, and if you also don't know the significance of the third temple, as you may have heard recently in the news that um, Israel's trying to make a go at building the third temple, they're they're cre- they're creating railway railways go, uh, to bring people straight from the airport directly into um, where the Temple Mount is. Um, there the temple institute is has been fighting for to try and build the third temple, and a lot of people believe that you know this is probably something that is never going to happen with the state of Israel right now and and Palestine and all that and the conflict but um in the news it's it's a growing um it's growing most likely that The third temple is going to be a go here very soon, especially um, that the red heifers have arrived in Israel. And if you don't know the significance of that in the end times, um, there will be the sacrifice of those red heifers um, or a red heifer in the temple. um, And then halfway through the tribulation period, the Antichrist is going to stop all the sacrifices and claim that he is God in the third Jewish temple um this is very significant um you know the way the trajectory the of the world you know the Bible has given us signs and the the warning and God clearly tells us what's going to happen in the end times and it's all coming together it's all coming together just as God said so that's a little bit of breaking news um Again, if you're new to this podcast, this is a Bible study podcast. We go chapter by chapter with ending with uh, commentary, and we're moving our way into the book of Revelation. Um, we're not going to go through the entire Bible, but we're going to go through some of the largest, most significant books of the Bible. They're all significant, but... Um, And the ones that we don't go chapter by chapter, like the book of Psalms and Proverbs, we're going to do summaries on. Um, I've done summaries on the past of Genesis because Genesis was just extremely long. I would like to read through all of Genesis, but we're going to try and move on. And we're going to try and connect with Genesis and the book of Revelation. And we're going to try and connect Genesis with the end times. So as we get to the end, that's what we're going to do, and we're going to have conversations more like this about the red heifer and the third temple and things like that. So listen, continue to listen to the podcast, and uh, let's get into 2 Samuel chapter 18. Absalom is killed. Now, before I start this chapter, I'm going to be ending with two commentaries um, because I I believe that um, there are two separate commentaries that are very significant to this chapter um, and how we have been really going through the story of David and Absalom and their conflict. And this chapter obviously talks about Absalom being killed. Let's get into it. Then David mustered the men who were with him and set over them commanders of thousands and commanders of hundreds. And David sent out the army, one-third under the command of Joab, one-third under the command of Abishai, the son of Zariah. Joab's brother, and one-third un, one under the command of Ittai the Gittite. And the king said to the men, I myself will also go out with you. But the men said, You shall not go, for if we flee, they will not care about us. If half of us die, they will not care about us, for you are worth ten thousand of us. Therefore, it is better that you send us help from the city. The king said to them, Whatever seems best to you, I will do. So the king stood at the side of the gate, while all the army marched out by hundreds and by thousands. And the king ordered Joab and Abishai and Ittai, Deal gently for my sake, the young man Absalom. And all the people heard when the king gave orders to all the commanders about Absalom. So the army went out into the field against Israel. And the battle was fought in the forest of Ephraim. And the men of Israel were defeated there by the servants of David. And the loss there was great on that day, twenty thousand men. The battle spread over the face of all the country. And the forest devoured more people that day than the sword. Now, I also want to point out that this this is a... In, in, pat, in the past, um, we know that different tribes of Israel had their conflicts. But in this case, this is almost like a civil war, Okay people that were in support of David now were, Absalom won the hearts over a lot of those people. So this is a civil war, and that's why when it says that the men of Israel were defeated by the servants of David, we have to remember that a lot of that is kind of one and the same. And Absalom happened to meet the servants of David. Absalom was riding on his mule and the mule went under the thick branches of the great oak. And his head caught fast in the oak, and he was suspended between heaven and earth. While the mule was under him, went on. And a certain man saw it and told Joab, Behold, I saw Absalom hanging in an oak. Joab said to the man who told him, "What You, you saw him. Why then did you not strike him there to the ground? I would have been glad to give you ten pieces of silver and a belt. But the man said to Joab, Even if I felt in my hand the weight of a thousand pieces of silver, I would not reach out my hand against the king's son. For in our hearing, the king commanded you and Abishai and Ittai, For my sake protect the young man Absalom. On the other hand, if I dealt treacherously against his life, and there is nothing hidden from the king, then you yourself would have stood aloof. Joab said, I will not waste time like this with you. And he took three javelins in his hand and thrust them into the heart of Absalom while he was still alive in the oak. And ten young men, Joab's armor bearers, surrounded Absalom and struck him and killed him. Then Joab blew the trumpet. And the troops came back from pursuing Israel, for Joab restrained them. And they took Absalom and threw him into a great pit in the forest and raised over him a great heap of stones. And all Israel fled, everyone to his home. Now Absalom in his lifetime had taken a set up for himself the pillar that is in the king's valley. For he said, I have no son to keep my name in remembrance. He called the pillar after his own name, and it is called Absalom's monument to this day. Then of Ahimaz, the son of Zadok, said, Let me run and carry the news to the king that the Lord has delivered him from the hand of his enemies. And Joab said to him, You are not to carry news today. You may carry news another day, but today you shall carry no news, because the king's son is dead. Then Joab said to the Cushite, Go, tell the king what you have seen. The Cushite bowed before Joab and ran. Then Ahimaaz the son of Zadok said again to Joab, Come what may, let me also run after the Cushite. And Joab said, Why will you run, my son? Seeing that you have no reward for the news, Come what may, he said, I will run. So he said to him, Run. Then Ahimaz ran by the way of the plain, and out ran the Cushite. Now David was sitting between the two gates, and the watchman went up to the roof of the gate by the wall. And when he lifted up his eyes and looked, he saw a man running alone. The watchman called out and told the king, and the king said, if he is alone, there is news in his mouth. And he drew nearer and nearer. The watchman saw another man running. And the watchman called to the gate and said, See another man running alone. The king said, He also brings news. The watchman said, I think the running of the first is like the running of Ahimaaz, the son of Zadok. And the king said, He is a good man and comes with good news. Then Ahimaz cried out to the king, All is well. And he bowed before the king with his face to the earth, and said, Blessed be the Lord your God, who has delivered up the men who raised their hand against my lord the king. And the king said, It is well, or is it well, with the young man Absalom? Ahimaz answered, When Joab sent the king's servant, your servant, I saw a great commotion, but I do not know what it was. And the king said, turn aside and stand here so he turned aside and stood still and behold the kushite came and the kushite said good news for my lord the king for the lord has delivered you this day from the hand of all who rose up against you the king said to the kushite is it well with my with the young man absalom and the kushite answered May the enemies of my lord the king and all who rise up against you for evil be like that young man. And the king was deeply moved and went up to the chamber over the gate and wept. And as he went, he said, O oh, my son Absalom, my son, my son Absalom. Would I had died instead of you, O Absalom, my son, my son. Now this is very touching at the end of this because despite their huge differences, now remember David did the same thing when Saul died. Okay, David was a man of honor. Despite the differences and people trying to take David's life. Saul was constantly trying to take David's life. But when David... When Saul died on the battlefield, David honored him. As you remember, we talked about this. And this, this, that episode that I, that I did, for some reason, was corrupted and never made it to the podcast. But I called it Honor the Fallen. And David honored Saul because he died fighting for the, the nation of Israel, despite their differences. The same goes for his own son. We've been talking about this entire time, how Absalom wanted justice against Amnon for raping his sister. Absalom kills Amnon and then gets mad at his father because David felt that his hands were tied in this matter, felt that he would be a hypocrite if he punished his children. So he did nothing. And Absalom was angry and led us to this. And now David was forced to send out an army and ended up having his son killed. But he said, deal gently with him. He didn't want anything to happen with his son. Basically, bring him into custody. So he can talk, kind of that way. And then Joab ordered him to be killed. And now David feels guilty. Now David's weeping. He's crying. And he's basically saying, I should have died instead of Absalom. And now he's starting to feel the true heart as a father. But before, but let's, I have two commentaries to read. And I do want to point out what happened before David got the news. Ed Ray does a commentary on this instead of focusing on David's sorrow. He talks about what happened just before David heard the news. Let's go back to verse 19 and 20. Then as the son of Zadok, said, Let me run now and take the news to the king, how the Lord avenged him Of his enemies and Joab said to him you shall not take the news today for you shall take the news another day but today you shall take no news because the king's son is dead Absalom rebelled against his father King David and tried to take his throne but in the end Absalom's rebellion led to his own death it was a conflicting victory for David The rebellion was defeated and the throne restored, which should have been a cause for rejoicing. But his victory came at the cost of his son's life. This unthinking young man, Ahimaz, wanted the honor of carrying the news of the victory to the king, and he was so anxious to do it, he didn't even consider how David would respond to the news of his son's death. I want to stop here because if you remember, Joab was warning Ahimaz that if you take the news, you may be killed. Because what happened when Saul died on the battlefield, the one that brought the news to David, David had him killed. Because David felt that that man saw what happened and didn't do anything about it. David would not respond to the news of his son's death. He did not see, as the older general Joab did, that David's grief over his son's death would send mixed signals to the nation and cause confusion. Or that the news might make David so angry that he killed him as, as he had done when the young uh, Amalekite claimed he had killed King Saul. That's... Honestly, something I just just said that, but uh, I'm reading here, so, uh, which is in 2 Samuel chapter 1. And so Joab told him he would not take the news. We should heed the same warning ourselves. Just because we have an open door for some opportunity, we should not necessarily see that as a go-ahead or an authorization from God to walk through it. Just because circumstances become somehow favorable for doing something we've hoped for, the opportunity may not be from the Lord. How very careful we need to be of seizing onto such opportunities. All opportunities need to be bathed in prayer. Now I want to read another commentary on the sorrow that David was that David is feeling here, because as a father, you know, you you feel that when he says that um, at the end of the chapter, where he says, "Oh my son Absalom, my son, would I have died instead of you, O oh Absalom, my son?" David was a man after God's own heart, but his own family was a train wreck. Sometimes it seems easier to get, it, get, get right with God instead of our own kin. David's adulterous affair with Bathsheba and his killing of her husband continued to shake his whole family tree. It was just as God predicted in 2 Samuel chapter 12. Thus says the Lord, I will raise up trouble against you from within your own house, and I will take your wives before your eyes and give them to your neighbor, and he shall lie with your wives in the sight of this very son. It's true that God had forgiven David, but the forgiveness did not eliminate consequences. Absalom was David's third and favorite son. He was handsome, charming, and charismatic. He loved the pomp, circumstance, and the privileges of royalty. He drove a magnificent chariot and had fifty men run in front of him wherever he went. Everything he did was designed to gain the favor of others and to cast his influence over them. The people were charmed by Absalom. Absalom's name means son of peace, but his life was anything but that. He raised an army and declared himself king, putting David in the position of having to defend Israel from his own son. In the war, Absalom died, and for the second time, David grieved the death of a child. Strong family relationships are often difficult to keep. So, what can we do when family relationships become strained? Remember that God is for you and your family. Even when relationships in your family are difficult, God never removed his favor from David's family, choosing to come into the world through David's relatives 1,000 years later. Remember, Jesus is from the line of David. And even though David was a sinner, David slept with a lot of women. Um, David was not running his family the way that a godly man should. But yet Jesus Christ would later come through the descendant of David. If family relationships have been difficult for you, remember that God is gracious and merciful and is eager to offer a fresh start. God, grant us all a taste of your kingdom through our strangely flawed yet favored families. In Jesus' name, amen.